It's Free Talk Live. Join us right here, live Sunday edition. You may take control of the airwaves and bring up anything you want. Our number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Ian. Johnny Ray. And Daryl. Well, the numbers are out. The Heritage Foundation's Index of Economic Freedom for 2017 is now available. And we will share with you how the United States performed in comparison to the other countries of the world. Where has it gone since the 2016 Economic Freedom Index? All that's on the way. Plus, uh, Johnny Ray, we still, I think we're behind by a month now on Chapter 13 of Economics in One Lesson. The book that we're supposed to be doing a chapter-by-chapter kind of book review or discussion book club if you will, on the air here, and we've uh, we're up to I think chapter yeah thirteen parity prices. Which we got we got to get through it. We got to we got you know it's been a month since we did chapter twelve. We've been disappointed sometimes by Hazlitt, but I think there's some really good stuff to come. There's some descriptions okay. of the price system that uh that that I've encountered before. I think that were very illuminating personally. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, let's you know hope we can get to that here tonight. We're going to go to your calls and thoughts though to start things out where you may take control of the airwaves it's tom in nashua new hampshire you're on free talk live listening online at freetalklive.com go ahead tom yeah it's about the uh, child protective service uh baby snatchers uh there's been uh you know some criticism by the way some of the times that they take children out of a family they do so for a very good reason and sometimes for uh you know they have been accused of being uh you know too uh quick to want to take children out of a family. But in some cases, children are placed for adoption, and maybe the parents thought they wouldn't be very good parents, so they'll, you know, they're broke, so they, they put the kids up for adoption. Mm-hmm. Okay, And it's gotten so bad now, though, that uh, the uh, places in some states, they'll actually issue the adopters a birth certificate that says that... Uh, Two men supposedly had a baby that day, or two women supposedly had a baby that day, and when they allow homosexuals you know, to adopt children, well... Why do you care? Well, because I, the whole idea is what's in the best interest of the child. How, how do you know what's in the best it. interest of a child? Isn't it in the best interest of a child to have two loving parents raise the yeah, child? N- n- now, here, here's the point, though. Okay. The uh, vital records bureaucrats won't let you see your real birth record until you're 18 in that situation, okay? People try to, to look up who their mother and father are, and, oh, no, that's a sealed record, and you, you can uh, go through a, some bureaucratic loopholes to find that out. But I was just thinking, the so-called birth certificate that they have, it shows their date of birth, the time of day that they were born, and the name of the hospital. And quite possibly, the parents, the the victims of Child Protective Service baby snatchers, perhaps, uh, said, go ahead, when when the baby was born, said, go ahead and put a birth notice in the newspaper. And genealogists will be happy to look up uh, for somebody halfway across the country a anything in the microfilms in the back issues of the newspapers, they, they'll pull that up and say, aha, here's a baby 
born at that hospital at that time. There's only going to be probably one baby born at 227 in the morning in that hospital. The birth certificate that I have does not say what time of day I was born. The birth certificates uh, issued by the bureaucrats and uh, birth notices in the newspaper often do say what time of day the baby was born. But where Catholic charities had to stop doing adoption work in Massachusetts because the Commonwealth said, if you're going to operate in Massachusetts, you have to deliver the babies uh, into the hands of homosexual applicants. Well, they can go further. Well, that's not the only people that they have to hand. You know, like they're applicants for I want to adopt a child. So I, I seriously doubt that the uh, legislature in Massachusetts said you are not allowed if you're heterosexual to adopt children. No, what he was saying they, was that the Catholic Church got out of adoption because they'd be required to adopt to homosexual couples in addition to Right, but he made it sound like it was exclusively... I didn't feel like he made it sound that way, but he is obsessed with uh, homosexuality. And And, at least he hasn't called for anyone to be executed tonight. Anyway, if I can... make my, my point here. The other thing the Catholic Yeah, what is Church your point? Because you've just been sort of rambling on about this. Besides simply uh, discontinuing adoption where they'd be required to place babies with homosexuals, when they baptize any babies, in addition to recording uh, who the parents are and the date and place they're born, they could record in the parish register the time of day and the name of the hospital, and put that into a diocese's uh, a diocesan uh, database, so that when the kid is walking home from middle school uh, after having been snatched by the child protective service baby snatchers and placed into the hands of homosexuals, the kid can stop at a Catholic church and ask for help, and they can you know do a few mouth clicks and find out. Okay, we're not going to interfere with so-called parental custody of the adopters. We're just going to give you a copy of your baptismal record, and it's right here, and that gives you the names of your real parents. And so, you know, then it's up to the kid to look up who the real parents are, and just imagine the reaction of the adopters when the kid says, stop calling me Leroy. My name is Johnny, and I want to live with my mom and dad. I don't want to live with a couple of queers anymore. You're a a sad little man. You're assuming that every child that has ever been adopted was baptized into a Catholic church. Well, and he's also... Two, you're assuming that anybody that's not in a heterosexual relationship is some kind of horrible person, and I think that makes you a horrible person tom yep thanks for the call toll-free number here 855-450-FREE that's 855-450-3733 also um it's not necessarily the case that a homosexual couple always gets their baby through some sort of adoptive service sometimes they'll have an agreement with a woman surrogate right who's willing to be a surrogate mother uh for them and essentially have their baby or it could be a pair of women that find someone to donate some semen exactly so uh you know i don't know how much tom even knows about the subject that he's discussing all i know is he's a uh, a homophobe big time and yes it's it's sick i mean it's it's just sad to listen to it. and i i've actually heard something and it's still in you know like the research phase 
But apparently there's ways with adult stem cells that scientists are able to, like, create artificial sperm and eggs Hmm. using just like, oh, let's take a skin cell, Mm -hmm. merge it in with a stem cell, and then we can turn it into a reproductive cell. So would that mean that... uh... It would mean that basically a lesbian couple could wind up could have both their dna and have in a baby. both of their dna in a child so obviously they would have a daughter because yeah. you know you, you need the uh male chromosome to create a man huh. but it's very interesting yeah that is interesting i hadn't heard about that it's i believe that it's totally possible fascinating stuff toll-free number tonight 855 453 eddie is in georgia listening or he listens via podcast go ahead eddie Hello. Hey. I have a a jury summons for tomorrow. Oh, And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about the jury selection process and maybe give give me some idea about what to expect with that. And I'm in Georgia. I I know nothing about the jury selection process in Georgia. Uh, Jury selection Mm -hmm. is different in every state. Mm, So there are some states, uh, South Carolina, for instance, to where one can get a jury trial for anything. They'll have a pool of jurors in the courtroom, call numbers, and the people are seated right then for a trial that takes place immediately. Let's talk more about it, though. Hang on, Eddie. We'll uh, find out what your process has been so far. Because, again, sometimes when you get the summons, there might also be a form that you have to fill out then. Or sometimes the form is when you actually get to the court. 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free. Join us on the radio waves here. Live Sunday edition of the program with you tonight. It's Ian. Johnny Ray. And Daryl. Uh, we do have Skype as well. And the Skype username is lrn.fm. So feel free to reach out to us that way if you like. Still to come, economics in one lesson. Chapter 13 plus, speaking of economics, the world economic uh, the Economic Index of World Freedom, or no, the Index of World Economic Freedom 2017 is out. So we'll give you the rankings and where did the United States end up this year. I'll give you a clue. It's not up on the rankings. Uh, f- also, do want to let you know about uh, HostGator. If you've been thinking about starting up a website, you're just not so sure about how to go about it, maybe you're a little intimidated by the process, HostGator makes it easy. They're one of the top hosting companies out there for a reason. Uh, They've got 99.99% uptime. They have a simple one-click, easy installation for WordPress, as well as 24-7 over-the-phone or live chat tech support, and a very intuitive and user-friendly control panel that puts the power of creation and the simplicity of use into your hands. You get 50% off because you're a Free Talk Live listener by going to HostGator.com slash FTL. That's HostGator.com slash FTL, like Free Talk Live. Let's go back to Eddie in Georgia. Eddie, you said you've got a jury summons and you're expected to be in court tomorrow for this summons. You were asking what to expect, and Daryl's answer, which is definitely true, is that, well, it's hard to say for sure, uh, considering none of us have ever been to jury duty in Georgia. Uh, But if you have, if you're listening to the show and you want to chime in, you're welcome to join us here at 855-450-FREE. That said, we can comment on some things that you could possibly expect from a jury summons, given whatever limited experience we have in it. I've done a lot of jury outreach 
over the years. Uh, I've only lived in two states, which is uh, Florida and New Hampshire. I've never been summoned in New Hampshire, but I was summoned in Florida. And we've had enough people call the show to where we've heard a thing or two about what the process is. So, uh, Eddie, are you still with us? Make sure, make sure you're still there. Yeah. All right. So uh, one of the things that happens generally is there's some sort of form, some kind of questionnaire that you will have to fill out at some point. Did yeah. they include I that? To, I had to fill that out. So they included that with the notice that you had the, the jury duty? hmm And so what were some of the questions that you had to answer on that form? Um, it's been a couple of weeks since I filled it out, but it asked stuff like, did I have family that were affiliated with any insurance companies, like car insurance companies, and a lot of, frankly, a lot of personal information, um, demographics and stuff like that. Did they ask you where you worked? Uh, yes, they did. Did they ask about? Uh, uh, let's see. Did they did they ask whether you have family that was law enforcement as well? I don't recall, but I, I assume that there was some question like that. Uh, do you happen to know if this is for a civil trial? Because it's interesting that they asked you about insurance companies. It makes me think this might have to do with a case relating to uh, some sort of claim on insurance. Um, I I. Do not know whether it was civil or criminal. Because that, to me, that doesn't sound like a standard question that they would be issuing mm-hmm. to all potential jurors. I think that that would be a question that they would be asking specific to the case. That's just speculation on my part. Did they ask you if you're a member of any organizations? Uh, no, they didn't. Okay, that's interesting. Because sometimes they'll ask that to disqualify people uh, because of their political beliefs. Based on, and so that's one of the things that I was curious about is when after after filling this out, is there going to, or at least with where you've had experience in Florida and uh, what you know about New Hampshire, are there additional questions that I would be asked when they're trying to select the jury? Yes, uh, I it's possible. I went to uh, jury duty one time here in New Hampshire, and they would ask questions relevant to that particular case that's right of if you have ever you know been a victim of this particular offense or been charged with this particular offense and you know you only have to answer those if they call your number and then if you say yes then you go up and explain to the judge the prosecuting attorney and the defense attorney uh, what well, you, said yes. you answered yes to, and yeah. then they make a determination of whether or not uh, you would be a biased juror. Now, one thing that I think is interesting is they don't disqualify people for being related to government agents or uh, being related to police officers. One would think they might, but that's not fair. But. So, um, um, I, so anyway, are you familiar with jury nullification? I am. I'm a long-time listener. So for listeners that kind of- for listeners that aren't, uh, jury nullification is the right of a juror. It's an age-old right uh, in the Western kind of court systems. The right of a juror to judge a case based on their uh, their feeling about the law, how they feel about the laws in question, and not necessarily just on the facts. Now, if you're not in a criminal uh, case, I don't know if you know. Can you can you nullify a civil case? I guess you could, right? I suppose that's you can always find somebody not guilty yeah. or not liable, right? So, uh, you know, I don't know how it's going to apply in this particular case because it sounds to me like you might be headed for a possible civil trial, which could be really long and, and drawn or out. Or the but. 
question about insurance could just be a standard question that Seems they unlikely. leave on the applicator on the uh, jury questionnaire that, in just, Georgia. It doesn't make sense as to why they would, but it could be, I suppose. You could always ask that when you go there. Is this you know a question you ask everybody, or is it just for this trial? Um, and so and I guess also, the question is, do you want to be on the jury, or do you want to try to get out of uh, jury duty? I resent being made to uh, be summoned for jury duty, mm-hmm. but or have to go to jury do jury duty. But I might like the chance to, you know, do what I can on a case to help liberty or freedom. But it might not be so cut and dry with a civil case. Yeah, that's certainly know. true, and it, not even necessarily in uh, in all criminal cases. But uh, regardless, I think it's good to have that open mind, being willing to go, even though they are forcing you to serve, even though it is basically conscription. I mean, this is essentially a very short-term uh, conscription. You're Correct. being conscripted into service as a almost unpaid slave for the state. You get paid very, very little, typically, for a day right. of jury duty. And, uh, and you have to, of course, take I'm time I'm kind off. of curious. Yeah. In, in those... In those jury selection questions that they have, are those are those under oath of any sort? Am Typically, I yes. Perjuring myself if I don't, uh, you know, mention my political leanings or something like that. Uh, you would need to read the form to yeah. see if it says you're mm-hmm. filling this out under oath, uh, because I, I can't tell you what the Georgia jury selection form is. Yeah, I okay. suspect that it would. I mean, if I were gonna, if One I were to guess, think, you know, typically court forms uh, they they are backed by a penalty of perjury. So you don't want to lie, but that doesn't mean that. Uh, so, like, I know that the fully informed jury association recommends that you quit all organizations that you're a member of if if they're like politically sensitive that way if they ask you to list the mem- the organizations of which you are a member you would be telling the truth if you have quit if you have resigned from those organizations and that way you wouldn't have to mention them um so there are kind of ways to get around some of the questions if you want to avoid being detected as a libertarian for instance because if they detect that you're a jury nullification activist or a libertarian they might just go ahead and cut you uh, based on on that eddie good luck tomorrow if you want to brush up or learn more you or anybody listening check out the fully informed jury association at fija.org they got a bunch of great tips on how to get onto a jury because people who love freedom should be trying to do that so we can possibly help set uh, victimless criminals free. More coming up. The Libertarian Party of New Hampshire is having its 2017 annual convention March 18th from 2 to 6 p.m. at the Holiday Inn in Concord, New Hampshire. The convention will feature speakers Caleb Dyer, a freshman state representative who recently joined the Libertarian Party, and Patrick McKnight, regional representative to the Libertarian National Committee. Tickets for the convention are $10 for non-members and admission is free for LPNH members. Go to lpnh.org convention for more information. That's lpnh.org org slash convention free talk live live sunday edition of the program we got time for you if you want to join us a lot of time here you can uh, dial in toll free and take control of the airwaves at 855-450-FREE, 855-450-3733. Also Skype on in here at username LRN.FM. My pillow is an awesome pillow. I really missed it uh, when I was in 
Acapulco for several days. It just wasn't feasible to bring it down there with me. Uh, so it's good to be back to my pillow because it is designed to fit to the shape of your body and hold your neck in the proper position. It's also washable, so if for whatever reason you need to, you can put it in the washer and dryer. It is designed for that. In fact, they actually recommend that you wash it uh, every few months just to make sure it is as fresh as it can be. You go to MyPillow.com, use code FTL, although i got to admit, I haven't washed mine yet. <laughs> I was just about to ask, have you washed yours yet? <laughs> it is what they recommend, but no, I, I haven't done that yet. Um, but you can, and that's one of the things that makes it special. But it's really a great pillow, and you can try it out pretty much risk-free. Uh, you can get it for uh, you know half off by using code FTL, or two for the price of one with code FTL, like Free Talk Live over at MyPillow.com. And if for some reason you don't like it, within the first 60 days, you can send it back to them. They'll send you your purchase price back. But if you do love the MyPillow, as I do, then you can keep it. And, of course, it will be guaranteed to last for 10 years. So they really stand behind their product with the money-back guarantee and the 10-year warranty. MyPillow.com, code FTL to get half off on one MyPillow or two for the price of one. It is up to you. As we continue with your calls and thoughts, it's David in New Mexico on via Skype. David, you're on with Ian, Johnny Ray, and Daryl. Yeah, hi. I wanted to uh, share something that is um, uh, to be expected, but eye-opening nonetheless. Um, that that uh, happened to me yesterday, talking to the dean of the professor and dean of the uh, University of New Mexico Law School. But I wanted to also throw in a, it's kind of related. I want to throw in a comment on, I think, two callers back, the debate about adoption and so on. Um, one thing that has come to my mind on that subject over the years is that it seems like in the future we're, we're moving more and more toward um, because of the problems I've seen firsthand with the court system and custody and, and all that stuff when, when a relationship dissolves. If I could do it all over again, I, I would have made sure to stay in my career so I had a good salary. And in addition to keeping my own property in my own name, and my own bank account, you know, having all that. You mean stuff not separate. having a joint bank account with the uh, the other person? I think that's a yeah. really smart idea. Yeah, well, I understand. I understand falling in love, and you don't, and, and all that stuff goes by the wayside. But you know, hindsight and, and having the benefit of the of some living experience, if I could do it all over again, and what I'd recommend to myself and other people is that is that uh, you know try to not be uh, to fall into that and just keep everything separate. And and I would go one step further in this day and age with the science that we have available to us, especially coming in the future. I, I would I wouldn't have children with another person. I would have I would have my own children that I have complete legal right to. And when you wanna, if and when you split up, you get a divorce. You you know whatever. How do you have no your fighting. own children that you have a complete legal right to? They won't adopt to single people, will they? If you get yourself cloned, well, I'm not. I'm not I'm Some not talking places. about. Yeah, I'm not, no, no, well, I'm not yeah. talking about adoption. The same. It's the same thing as what you just said when you're talking about uh, gay people having having their own children, meaning getting in the case for in the oh, case hiring of hiring a surrogate. Uh, yeah, hiring oh, you. Okay. you yeah, so then that that child would be biologically yours, and the sur- the surrogates involved would have signed away their legal parental rights. I see. Okay. And even that isn't foolproof because there are times where you know the surrogates will try to sue to get out of it because they've become attached to the child that they're nurturing. Mm. Right. Not foolproof, but but certainly more foolproof. You're better off with a contract than not, though, right? So, yeah. I see where you're coming from. That's, that's an interesting proposal. 
there's a lower percentage of surrogates that change their mind than than there are wives that change their mind. If you see what I'm saying, yeah, yep, I bet and, that's and, true. Interesting thing that happened. And yesterday. What's the percentage of husbands that change their mind? Because it's not all the time wives that change their mind on wanting to no, be married. I, Exactly. No, I, exactly. I can argue both sides of it, but I, I took, instead of arguing all perspectives, I took my perspective and argued it from my point of view since I am apparently male. Um, anyway, what I was, the thing I wanted to share with you, uh, the conversation, I had a conversation on the, on the, or the opportunity to have a conversation on the radio yesterday, not on your affiliates program, but on his competitor. And uh, one of the, the hosts had, um, had in a professor, two professors, one of which was the Dean of the University of New Mexico Law School in Albuquerque. And, um, I had the opportunity to question them, and so what I used my time for was I, I now in in New Mexico, and I'm sure other places, uh, there's there's a bill in New Mexico uh, uh, by Daniel Ivy Soto for the second year in a row, trying to it's an anti civil asset forfeiture hmm. law, which I'm sure you agree with. In, yeah, absolutely. In, yeah, I think they and need so to end all I, asset I, forfeiture, but uh, ending civil asset forfeiture is a good start. So what about it? Well. Yeah, based on, you know, they're, they're taking from you based on suspicion alone without any trial conviction, yeah. whatever, or even any charges, which is which is blatantly illegal if you want to use the Constitution as law. And and so people are against it. And, and uh, let me interject that I, I take that that civil asset forfeiture one one step laterally. And what I say is if it's wrong to take a person's property, money, money, car, whatever, with without due process, um, or what, without what we all recognize as due process, then I say, and back to this children thing again, I say it's also unlawful and wrong for the state to take uh, access to children without the same due process. Absolutely, you know, and they do that all the time. I mean, Child Protective Services is constantly stealing uh, children from families on based on just a simple accusation, in some cases, of a jealous or angry neighbor who doesn't even really know what went on? They might have heard some sort of commotion and, you know, presumed there was a fight going on and called in CPS as a result of that. They might have been completely wrong, but that doesn't stop uh, CPS from coming in and you know ruining a family's life. There's no doubt about it. So what does that have to do with the dean of this college? It, it, here's what it has to do in, 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 in a one-two move here. It has to do this way. Uh, one, using using logic and law, the if if it if it becomes unlawful to civilly seize assets without due process, it stands to reason that it's also unlawful to seize uh, access to children mm -hmm. without due process. And so, if if they continue with this anti-civil asset forfeiture stuff and succeed with it, which I believe they will, then there's virtually no way that they can you know deny. The same rights to parents regarding their, their access to their children. But and so what I question, what's this got to do with the dean of University of New Mexico? Right, because you just said that a moment ago. That's what I was about. That's what I was about to say. So what I asked this guy, these two guys, there was two two prof they were professors of the law school, and one was the dean. The, the, the dean is Ortega, and the other professor was a Matthews or Matheson or something like that. Okay. And and so I said I said to them I said, you know this is wonderful. Two professors on the air. You most definitely, as law school professors and dean of the law school, you definitely can decisively answer this question for all of us. And and that that is what is 
the basis in law that you, the government, or, are, are standing on when you do a, a civil asset forfeiture without arrest, without citation, without arraignment, without trial, without conviction, and what was without their sentence. That, that it was it was very very uh, fun to listen to them, him and Ha <laughs> and Delay and Mumble. They literally they, they did they did that 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 mumble jumbled. They didn't know what to say for a period of about thirty ba, seconds. Ba, ba, uh, and uh, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> no gave no answer whatsoever. Well, the basis had, is uh, what all laws based on is men with guns. Thanks for the call. Toll free number tonight, 855-450-FREE. It's, you know, we do what we want. What are you going to do about it? Well, I've heard it articulated uh, differently in committee hearings by the men with guns yeah. that take the stuff. Of Well, we have to make sure that people aren't using things that they got illegally to commit more crimes. Yeah, and Donald Trump is, according to the New American, he is he supports civil asset forfeiture even without conviction. Yeah, that's what civil asset forfeiture is. Because uh, he supports the police, and yeah. he will do whatever it is they want him to. The toll-free number here, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. It's not stealing when they do it. They're the government. It's civil asset forfeiture. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, the live Sunday edition of the program. You can dial in toll-free and take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever is on your mind. With you tonight, it's Ian. Johnny Ray. And Daryl. All right. I think that at this point, we should just do the economics in one lesson chapter that we've been promising for weeks now because it's embarrassing. We haven't even gotten to it in a month I think uh, so. It's been a while. It's literally been four weeks at least. It obviously makes sense that it would not have gotten covered last week because you were in Mexico. True, but before that, it's been three weeks at least that we right. I'm just giving us giving us an excuse for missing one week. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, shame on us. Uh, We you know the show's got busy in the last couple hours, so before that happens again tonight. Let's get it done. And then if we get the chance, we'll still talk about the the United States and its ranking amongst the other world's countries in the Index of Economic Freedom as published by the Heritage Foundation. The 2017 numbers are out as of, I think, the last few days, and we will share those with you. Johnny Ray, it was uh, your idea to talk about economics in one lesson. We've been going slowly, chapter by chapter, supposed to be doing one chapter per week. We're not quite halfway through the book, I mean, almost to the, the halfway point. The chapters so far have been relatively short and focusing on some really important economics uh, basics and, and concepts. And with the overarching kind of theme that, they, that uh, the author, Henry Hazlitt, continues to come back to, which is the seen and the unseen, that there's a lot of bad economics out there that's based on the seen, the easily identifiable economic consequences of various different governmental acts, like you know shifting wealth from one party to another. Uh, but what you don't see is really what's most important, the unseen. Now, uh, this most recent chapter is chapter 13, Parity Prices. Uh, so, Johnny, do you want to kind of give a summary of, uh, you know, what's what's the story here? Sure, I'd love to. Uh, our author, Henry Hazlitt, begins by 
explaining a scenario wherein some kind of crazy proposal is put forth for consideration by the legislature and by the people. And it's so, so, so stupid and out of touch with reality that serious people don't bother to contend with it. But it has its own special interests to argue for it. And after some period of non-attention, suddenly it becomes law. And he says that is how that is a a good paraphrasing of how these parity pricing laws came into effect with the New Deal in the early 1930s. And parity pricing is a well, it rests on the idea that agriculture is the bedrock of our economy, which is is uh you know uh, makes sense to me um you grow things out of the earth and that's the and and everything else kind of flows from that it's certainly important i mean at the very minimum to keep people alive so yeah it's a pretty important sector right um you know timber that's yep. agriculture and growing and so products forth. sure um is mining considered agriculture probably not i but don't know i don't think so it's the same principle in my mind anyway uh the the new dealers were suggesting that um after the the price crash um in the great depression that uh industrial products were not affected nearly as much as agricultural products were agricultural products the prices crashed and the farmers and the people whose livelihood was built on agriculture couldn't make enough money with the with what they had been doing to buy the products of industry and there was a disaster coming because if they couldn't buy the products of industry then the economy would just kind of go into a tailspin and go down the drain so these uh, new deal economists suggested that if we could uh, legally enforce prices the same price relationships that existed between the products of agriculture and the industrial goods that the farmers were buying, tractors and so forth, they needed to maintain that relationship, and they would, and they could do it many ways. But the end result was to boost the prices per unit of agricultural goods, and keep them at that relationship in order uh, to subsidize those farmers. So the that idea. the farmers would get more money, and then the farmers would take that money and spend them on uh, tractors or or washing machines or what have you, and there would be a virtuous cycle, and everybody would uh, would benefit from the special favors that were shown to the farmers. But there are some consequences for government set prices. Sure. Um, so what this really should be called is price controls. Yeah, that's another way of uh, of putting this for sure. Yeah, but the idea being that uh, parity, meaning that it uh, it pr- controls that price over a period of uh, of time, that the price today should be what it was ten years ago, ignoring any kind of uh, efficiency increases or you know cost increases or reductions. Right. Or so right. and in this case, fixing. yeah. And in this case, the um, the specific situation that. Henry Hazlitt is talking about and the legislation that he's talking about is from is the the parity prices that were the ideal were the prices from 1909 to 1914 mm-hmm. the five year period that was the golden age for American farmers but yeah you can't um you know prices change and it's not and 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 it it's natural 
and you have to roll with the punches and adjust and adapt to it. You can't just decree that the price is going to be something and it's going to be that. In this chapter, um, Hazlitt goes on to say that, you know, as if, if agricultural prices are high and it's because of uh, – if agricultural profits are high and it's because of increases in production, uh, more efficient ways of doing this or that, then that's, that's great. Uh, but the way that the Agricultural Adjustment Administration, which is the the ad, uh, administration's the Washington's office that would that would set the prices somehow, yeah, encourage the prices. When he was talking about their various uh, ways that they would do it, they could try to do it by edict, which Hazlitt says is the least effective way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you'll see that in some regimes they will they the regime will, will set a price and if you're selling not at what the price is supposed to be sometimes you'll be killed but that doesn't that that even that won't stop people uh, from obeying the laws of economics that's right and and seen that in Venezuela. He, he goes on to give some examples of if price parity were used in other things other mm-hmm. than agriculture and again, you know, this book written a long time ago where he says a Chevrolet six-cylinder touring car cost $2,100 in 1912. An incomparably improved six-cylinder Chevy sedan cost $907 in 1942. Wow. Can you imagine the price of a car going down over time? Uh, that could happen if we didn't have these insane government regulations and uh, mandates that are being right. placed on cars, as well as the inflation of the money supply. He says, adjusted for parity on the same basis as farm products, it would have cost $3,270 in 1942. So, And how would that benefit anyone except for the auto manufacturer? Well, those are the only people that would benefit. And, well, the and employees, then, the, the employees, because then you could pay the employees more. Well, even then, though, would it really benefit the auto manufacturers? Because it would cut down the number of customers that they, they would have. I mean, if the car costs three oh, times well, as much. Now you're using logic to yeah. show that price parity is horrible. I mean, it'll seem like it might benefit them. On the on paper, they might say, yeah, it'd be great if we could get the you know prices to be three times as much. But the reality is, I mean, even if all their competitors are also three times as much, so if the entire industry right. triples their prices, they could cartelize, basically. But the problem is, then people would figure out other ways to get around that well, don't involve cars. Well, then you run into uh, collusion charges. Yeah. Where if everybody's charging the same prices, ah, there's collusion. If one person charges you know, slightly higher, ah, you're gouging. If one person <laughs> charges slightly less, ah, you're undercutting the market. So no matter what you do, Can't win. you run yeah. the risk of violating some federal regulation. Uh, they go on to mention that the price of aluminum dropped by 22 and 11.42 cents. Price early in 1946 was 14 cents, but at parity, it would have cost 41 cents. You misread yeah. that. It uh, They said that the average ah, the, was 22.5 in 1909, 1913, and then it went down to 14 cents. So it dropped by like seven points. Okay. Cents. Yeah, I, I misread that. And it's got a weird fraction in the version that I'm 
reading. But that's because, you know, the manufacturing process got more efficient. Yes. And so they were able to offer their products at lower prices. Uh, the toll-free number here, we can talk more about economics on the way. You can also take control of the airwaves at 855-450-FREE. What are some of the other consequences of price fixing? It's Free Talk Live. So the protection of life, liberty, and property is, is what the Free State Project is all about. But it's an, it's an effort to move 20,000 people who understand. It's about demonstrating to the entire country. That, yeah, we can have a free market, a truly free market. Making it just a freer, great place to live. It's the world's largest voluntarist, libertarian community, and it's, it's only getting bigger. That's amazing, to be able to move to a place where other people like passionately believe in being free and independent. What the Free State Project is managing to do, though, is to put their money where their mouth is. It's physically getting up across the country and saying, let's go someplace and let's demonstrate the power of these ideas. There's a lot of kind of philosophy that surrounds liberty. There's a lot of thinking about it and talking about it. But here in New Hampshire, people are doing it. 101 Reasons Liberty Lives in New Hampshire, a documentary by Free State Project Early Movers. Watch it free at 101reasonsfilm.com. 101reasonsfilm.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of the program. Still to come here tonight, the Economic Freedom Index of the World, as according to the Heritage Foundation. The numbers are out for 2017, uh, which are really more like 2016 older numbers, but it's published in 2017. We'll get to you uh, those details on the way with you in the studio tonight. It's me, Ian. Me, Johnny Ray. And Daryl. We're talking right now about Economics in One Lesson, the classic book by Henry Hazlitt, which is available free, by the way, to anybody who would like to kind of follow along at home and uh, be reading this book along with us here. We're going slowly. Uh, it's supposed to be one chapter a week. It's been like a month since we did the previous chapter. Um, we're talking about chapter 13, parity prices, which is another way of saying price fixing, as you pointed out, Daryl. Yes. Uh, the idea being that certain industries are more important to the politicians and you know they've got all their excuses as to why this one industry, in this case farming, would get special attention because this industry is very important, so therefore we have to make sure that they guarantee profits and guarantee the same amount of uh, money that they can charge for their products year after year after year. The claim by Hazlitt here is that, and he's you know not making this claim himself, he's basically repeating the claim, agriculture is the most basic and important of all industries. It must be preserved at all costs. The prosperity of everybody else depends on the prosperity of the farmers. So why do you not want the farmers getting $10 billion <laughs> for a loaf of bread, Ian? Because it Why throws, do you hate farmers? Because it, it screws up the economy. And uh, he goes into wh- how this can be implemented. You had touched on the first reason, Johnny Ray, which yeah. was, was by edict. And I think we went off on a, a different tangent. Uh, so the government can say, as they've done in Venezuela... Thou must charge X for this particular product. Well, and to some extent, that happens in the United States as well. Sure it does. Um, in fact, sometimes I remember in Florida during hurricanes, price fixing would, would come into play where they would 
tell uh, gas stations they couldn't charge more than X for gasoline. Anti-gouging laws. Yeah, that's what they call it there. Uh, Or that they couldn't charge more than X for water or whatever it is that would be in high demand. Well, I'm not talking about just in the times of, you know, emergencies. Mm -hmm. There are things in place right now that regulate the cost of milk. There are things that set the price of wheat and corn and other things. So, you know, this isn't just some, you know, ah, here's some, you know, theoretical boogeyman. Like, this is something that is actually happening and not just around the world in some place that you probably are never going to go. It happens where you live. Correct. One of some of the popular methods to affect the price, um, it can be brought about by the government standing ready to buy all the farm products offered to it at the parity price. So to essentially subsidize directly the crop. It can be brought about by the government's lending to farmers enough money on their crops to enable them to hold the crops off the market until parity or a higher price is realized. That's something that happens today where they pay farmers yep. to not farm certain crops. Yep. And then uh, they'll subsidize by, oh, we'll just buy all the rest of the corn from you and we'll mm-hmm. turn it into ethanol and we'll put it in the gas. I Yeah, it's mutated into different things. Incidentally, the U.S. Department of Agriculture has a, I, I think it's called the National Agricultural Statistics Service, and they still publish the parity prices uh, indexed to 2009 to 2014. They put them out in a report. It'll say the prevailing price for a bushel of corn is like 62 cents. Mm-hmm. And the parity price is $262. And They're comparing to the early 1900s? Yes. Wow. And, you know, it's just, it's a it was a law written back in the 30s, yeah. and it's been amended somewhat, but there's still somebody... They're still I, tracking it, huh? I'm sure there's an economist making six figures who's in charge of an office God. with a team of people who are who are tracking and indexing the parity prices <laughs> that nobody uses likely for anything. Right, because it's so obvious now how ridiculous it is. I mean, like, like you said, if I mean, you're just making those numbers up, but if it was hundreds of dollars compared to a few cents... I mean, the, the idea that you could get away with charging that much money for a bushel of wheat or whatever is absolutely insane. And it's it's clear how ridiculous that is 100 years later Yeah, when you look at it. Uh, the government um, would would pay people to to not cultivate land. Mm-hmm. And and they, I think, also... To keep prices ra- down. Yeah, to keep... No, to, to raise prices. Oh, you know, right, to, right, right. To lower supply. To lower supply, that's what I meant, yeah. Right. And they would force them to destroy their livestock. Uh, shoot them mm. and you know burn them in a big pile. That's sick. Yeah, it's when you it's 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 stuff like that 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 tells me freedom, economics, the right way to to proceed in the world is can be understood by anybody. Because if you see that, you know that, and and the government is telling you that it's that it's good economics to slaughter a bunch of animals for no reason. Yeah, you don't need yeah. to have a degree in economics to know that that's BS. Yeah, something wrong, something very wrong with that situation. And also, uh, also, I've been intrigued uh, this these these few weeks by the connection between the Agricultural Adjustment Administration and the Soviet Union. A lot of the uh, the spies. There was a famous espionage case in the 50s 
um, right around the time of the House Un-American Activities Commission. And there was a guy named Whitaker Chambers who accused Alger Hiss of being a Soviet spy. And Whitaker Chambers admitted that he was and mm. that he had he had <laughs> he had performed acts of espionage for the Soviet government while he was uh, an employee uh, while he was a federal employee. Mm. Uh, but he caught but he implicated Alger Hiss and what he called the Ware Group. And the Ware Group was a bunch of economists on the Agricultural Administration Board. And I think that the the New Deal was just really emblematic of communism mm-hmm. and and all of these uh, government command and control of the economy. You want was, to talk about price fixing? I mean, look at the Russian or the Soviet Union, right, where they were just picking prices out of a Sears catalog, if I'm recalling how they did it, because they didn't know how to set prices. Yeah, there is a story about that. I, I found something. Unfortunately, it was seven years old, but they actually have a formula on this PDF that you can download from the USDA website where they have a formula showing how they calculate the parity prices. Huh. Fascinating stuff. So um, the with the uh, the... The scene and the unseen. You've got farmers doing doing fine, yeah. But the, but since the way it's happening is that the wealth that they have accumulated, they're either uh, being prevented from growing things and then being paid out of the proceeds of some tax, mm-hmm. or they're destroying their things, and or they're or they're, uh, they're they're priced higher, which, as he points out here, hurts the buyer. So that's kind of the unseen part, right? They, you see the, the part where the farmer is bringing more money in, uh-huh. but the unseen part is when, as he uh, gives an example here, somebody who's going in buying a bushel of you know whatever and they're paying X amount of dollars, whereas they should have been paying X minus two, well, that's right. $2 that they could have been paying for something else. They could have been spending those $2 on a you know, new pair of shoes or, or whatever that right. they might and, have needed for themselves. And who's to say that the farmer's profit would not actually increase if he were able to reduce the price a little bit because mm-hmm. of volume because yeah. more people right. would be able to afford you know, it there's a uh chain pizza chain uh primarily down south cc's pizza yep. very inexpensive buffet they make money on volume that's right i miss cc's pizza i think part of the reason that this kind of this parity price uh, nonsense isn't really in our in, a current with us anymore is because of refrigeration tech and competition from the rest of the world. Maybe back in the thirties, you had kind of a, uh, a, uh, what do you call it? You, when your market is, is controlled by you, they're a captive market. Mm-hmm. And, uh, now that we've got, uh, ships with Argentinian beef or, you know, stuff from Europe but and Asia, those things being imported are still subject to, the Import federal tariffs. government's price controls and tariffs and yeah, other but the things. more the more, but it's still more open. It's and more the more you economy. open it, the yeah. less there's room for shenanigans. Toll free number tonight eight fifty five four fifty free. If you want to comment on price fixing, maybe but you've seen it happen in real life. The shenanigans still exist. That's true. They do. Uh, eight fifty five four fifty free. You can take control of the airwaves here and weigh in on this or anything you want on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, and you may join us here toll-free, 855-450-FREE. Live Sunday edition of the program. 
855-450-3733. We've got uh, your opportunity to take control of the airwaves here anytime you want. We are discussing economics in one lesson. The book that we have been remiss in covering for the last few weeks. We're supposed to do it once a week, and we just haven't gotten it done. So we're getting it done tonight, Chapter 13, Parity Prices, which is another way of talking about price fixing. And we've seen the damage that price fixing can cause, uh, not so much right here in our lives in the United States, but if you go to Venezuela, I've never been, thank goodness, because it's an incredibly terrible place to be right now where people are well, some of them are basically starving. Uh, others are unable to get access to life-saving medications. And uh, there's a bunch of other factors. The price fixing in that case, not only are they price fixing uh, you know, prices at the market, prices in various different businesses, to the point where they're actually fixing those prices below the cost of the items themselves. So the business owner is actually losing money so it's like the the reverse of what we're talking about here the parity pricing is supposed to benefit a particular industry but pur- purportedly at least uh, it, it hurts the entire economy but it, but it does ultimately seem to benefit the one industry in in specific uh, in the case in Venezuela the companies that are being price fixed are are being harmed because they have to sell below cost which means they sell out instantaneously and have made less money in than what it costs to buy the product, so they don't have enough money to buy another uh, shipment of them, and they're basically put out of business by this. Nobody's going to continue doing business if they can't actually make money on the product. They can't even break even on the products that they're bringing in. Right, and some people will say, well, that's why we need farm subsidies to just wind up giving handouts to the farmers to make sure that they stay in business. Because they're not making money selling the products, so we we have to have farmers, so let's just give them millions of dollars. And we've also, of course, seen the government uh, demand what the farmers should be planting, like in countries like Cuba and Venezuela, where they didn't get to choose what they would farm, and that resulted in all kinds of you know economic problems because people don't get to decide for themselves. They're not going to be uh, behind their mission in life. They're not going to be as invested right. in what it is that they are growing or, or doing. Right. If somebody you know grew up thinking, I want to be a beet farmer, a beet farmer, or tomato farmer yeah. and then they get told no you have you to grow zucchini. this other thing yeah but i don't care about that it doesn't matter what you care it's about for the good of the country son well no it's not uh what's good is when people get to make their own choices about what they do let get them sink or swim you whether can or not choose to grow z- zucchinis or you can choose to go to the gulag i'm not making this <laughs> choice for you peasant you're deciding for yourself if you're going yep. to the gulag or you're growing zucchinis. You have an option. That's totally the kind of thing the government does, too, what you just said. Um, a final concept that Hazlitt mentions near the end piqued my interest also about Forgotten Man's Sea. That, I believe, is a reference to a poem by, not a poem, but a piece written by a guy named Sumner in the 1830s who was maybe giving his own version of the seen and the unseen. Mm-hmm. That's the forgotten man. And and the forgotten man is a concept that has stayed, that has stayed with us, and uh, I think Donald Trump even has been using it. Huh. 
uh, talking about the you know the poor Mexican hater who has been ignored by popular media. That's Trump's forgotten man. I see. Who's had his Who's had his job stolen from him by a Mexican who unfortunately was had some combination of competence and low cost labor the willingness to work for less sure that uh and and out competed the american in that way in this case what you're saying though the forgotten man are the people who are victimized by these economic policies uh to the point where it may not break the bank for them but it'll make life a little more difficult in that they're spending more in the the examples that he gives on parity pricing specifically on uh farm products they're spending more on farm products than they otherwise would have to in the absence of the parity prices. So they are harmed by that in that they cannot do what they otherwise would choose to do with the money that they are now being forced to spend on those products. Yes, so a, a and B get together and see the sad plight of X, and they want to do something for X, so they tell C that he needs to pay a tax so that X can be helped. Let's talk to Jack in Portland, Maine. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jack. Hi, guys. Hey, what's um, on your mind tonight? You're, you're obviously all very familiar with the concept of wage and price controls and the currency. You can't have a, an intelligent conversation on prices if you can't have some concept of the manipulation of the currency. Oh, yeah. So whether it's prices and parity or the manipulation of the currency, if you're only talking about one or the other, you're never going to actually get it under control because one is a ruse while we're facing, while we're talking about wage and price controls, they're laughing up their sleeve because as soon as they fix the price to make everybody happy, then they change the value of the currency. Well, I mean, we're, we're doing a, a book kind of club or review or whatever you want to call it, and we're doing chapter by chapter through economics in one lesson. So uh, we've certainly talked in plenty of you know plenty of times in the past about the money supply in the United States and how the government is constantly basically inflating that money supply, which of course results typically in prices going up uh, across the board in a lot of a uh, lot of places. So yes, that's absolutely an important concept to understand and to understand how dangerous. Uh, the inflation tax truly is because it is ultimately a hidden tax that affects everyone who uses the U.S. dollar, whether or not you've chosen to pay taxes to the government or not. As long as you're using their dollar, if they inflate the currency, then you are basically being taxed. Well, it's not if they inflate the currency. When? It's by how yeah, much they right. inflate the currency. Right. And then yes. they'll you know put out phony figures about how much the currency has been inflated and you know phony numbers on what the actual inflation rate is. And even based on those phony numbers that we know are inflated or deflated to make it look like inflation's not as bad as it is their numbers show that the value of the dollar has declined by 97 percent since 1913 and, and exactly yep. cur- currency manipulation is something it's a game that everybody plays nobody's innocent and i'm not manipulating currency johnny if you're if if you if you've got all your assets or a large majority of your assets, say, in U.S. dollars, then a handful of folks at the uh, at, at our central banking institutions can ruin your life by yes, yeah. by inflating the dollar itself into valuelessness, relative uh, effective valuelessness for you. Uh, but 
They've yeah, kept it under some level of control compared to some other countries, but the, the concept is there, and it's it affects us. Up until us. now, you've you've needed to be a, an expert in foreign currency to get away from this, but now there's Bitcoin. Now there is Bitcoin, but there's also always been, uh, you don't have to be an expert. I oh, mean, yeah, there was gold There's before. gold and silver, and of course, Bitcoin just uh, surpassed the price of gold just a few days ago. Very exciting. Woo-hoo. Jack, if you had more to say, you can hang on. We'll bring you back. Sound like you're trying to get in there. We'll, uh, we'll bring you back for your comments if you got more here. Coming up on Free Talk Live, 855. 450 free. Join us. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done. Get a great deal. And a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. It's Free Talk Live, live Sunday edition of the show. You may join us here. We're talking economics coming up. The uh, Index of Economic Freedom for the World's Countries been published again by the Heritage Foundation for 2017. We'll- Where's Liberland? Uh, I don't think they are likely going to be in the list, given yeah, that no one's living there right now. There's probably no economy in Liberland, but uh, you're referring to the uh, the plan by some libertarian types in Europe to create their own little three-square-mile plot of land between Serbia and Croatia in the middle of a river, basically in a swamp. And, in no man's land. Yeah, uh, and it's, it's fascinating. Uh, I, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to even meet Vit Jedlak. Jedlika? Jedlika. Jedlika. He was at Anarchopolco. I didn't even see him. So. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to have uh, been able to have you interview that guy. I would have loved that too. Uh, I didn't even see the guy. I know he was supposed to be have been there and spoke, but I didn't. You know, normally you see people walking around. And right, right, right. I think I would have recognized what he looked like. I mean, I've seen his maybe picture. Maybe he was walking around while you were speaking. Yeah, maybe, but a lot of people were there for more than one day, so I only spoke for an hour, and maybe he had to go, or he was only able to stay for a short period of time. Sometimes very busy people aren't able to stay for a full weekend. So anyway, uh, let's get back into the discussion. We've got Jack on the line in Portland, Maine, listening via an app called Simple Radio, which I'm not familiar with. I've just actually started to download it here. Apparently, it lets you listen to radio station and online streams. Uh, I'm guessing it's going to be like TuneIn. But uh, Jack, you're back on That's Free Talk Live. Cool, man. Uh, so it's you a wanted very to, handy app. Yeah, and so you wanted to talk about uh, the inflation, which is another big factor. The fact that the government prints out money in the the current currency prices. manipulation. Yeah, currency manipulation. The fact that I, I just I find it fascinating that we've just been duped so badly, and we're just so accustomed to it that ninety percent of people cannot define a dollar. And then when they, when they finally figure that out, then they start talking about the legal tender laws. And then they see that on the old Federal Reserve debt notes, it used to say this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private, and is redeemable in lawful money at any Federal Reserve Bank or the United States Treasury. Yeah. Well, then they erased that part of it. Sure when they did. got the states to uh, all understand that they had a plausible deniability that they could violate Article One, Section 10 by just saying that they're going to redeem those Federal Reserve notes in lawful money. But they also knew that in 71, they were going to close the gold window and make every state illegal. 
Yeah, that's and, what made Ron Paul uh, run for Congress. I think was it was what Nixon did so thank, when Nixon thank closed the, Lord the gold for Ron window. Paul. Yeah, Ron Paul's uh, done a lot to help people kind of open their eyes to some of this stuff that's been going on for a long time. And it's we shouldn't be surprised that people are easily duped. I mean, they are educated by the government. And so when the government teaches people about economics, they define inflation differently. They say that inflation is the price increases at the market, but that's not true it's the inflating of, of the money not. it's the inflating of the money supply that tends to lead to the symptom of price increases yes um so they're misdefining what you know the some of the most basic economic terms are for people right and i've even seen well, youtube videos how it works all the time they misdefine we get accustomed to it That's and right. we just muddle along through the garbage I've seen YouTube videos of ways that companies increase the price on products and you don't realize it. And, you know, they'll shrink the box of cereal from 18 ounces down to 16 ounces, but keep it the same width <laughs> <Yeah>. so that you <laughs> don't notice the same on, the shelf, on the yeah. shelf. And then at some later point, they'll bump the price up by about 20%. And then put it back to like an 18 or maybe even a 20 ounce box of cereal and say, right. you're getting X percent free. 20% more. That's just another one of my favorite topics, which is incrementalism. And incrementalism cannot be reversed incrementally. What do you mean? You, while incrementalism has moved us all along and moved the Overton window, as it does that, we try to defend and reverse incrementalism just a little increment at a time. And while we're reversing incrementalism one little increment, they have moved a hundred things incrementally away from us. Yeah, so it is hard to repeal. Let me give another example. cannot be reversed incrementally. It has to be you, you and I have to take a stand and say, no, we're not going to do any of this anymore yeah you gotta you gotta pay the price i see what you're saying yeah let let me give another strike the root right because it could hurt strike the root i I think most people are familiar with the uh frog in the pot of water analogy Uh of you know they'll incrementally turn the heat up right well if you just turn the dial back one notch the water's still boiling. Yeah, you got to get the frog out. You, you stop the boiling yeah. by turning the stove off and moving the pot away from the flame. So you don't just, oh, let's just turn this back one notch, and then the water won't boil anymore. Wait, it's still boiling. Right. Thanks, well, the Jeff. Other, the other yeah. analogy is the poison tree. You cannot trim the leaves of the poison tree and expect to survive, you have to chop the roots. What's the poison tree? I've never heard of the poison tree. Well, the, the poison tree is the, is the government noise, and we're all buying into it. And the poison tree is the government supplies our needs. No, you the said it's an analogy. I, I've the never heard the story of the poison tree. a useful tool. You said that there's an analogy of the poison tree, and I'm saying I've never heard that analogy. I'm not asking what the poison tree symbolizes. I'm asking what is the story of the poison tree? An analogy doesn't have to be a story with a... Just kind of legendary. Okay. Sorry, I'm going through a 
Okay, yeah, I've not heard of it either, but thank you, Jack, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, the toll-free number here is 855-450-FREE. I've heard of fruit of the poison tree, which is a legal term uh, saying that when a uh, you know like a search warrant is bad, is issued yes. wrong, then the things that they find are the fruit of the poisoned tree, and so therefore uh, they must be rejected legally from evidence. But that's the only familiarity I have with a any kind of doctrine of a poison tree. Yeah. Toll-free number tonight, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. By the way, if you love the uh, – well, not love, but if you're aware of or interested by the idea that products are being cut, that their sizing and their packaging and uh, the amount of ounces in a given package is being reduced over time, there's an interesting blog that kind of catalogs some of that stuff. It's called Mouseprint. Mouseprint.org is where you can go to uh, find their blog posts. They make posts that kind of really do really good consumer reporting work where they they'll not only will they show the changes to products and compare what it used to look like to what it is now, uh, and, and they'll, they'll also look at like special offers and promotions right. that uh, have some questionable asterisks, you know, the little asterisk that shows up after a product claim right. where you look at the the small print. That's why it's called mouse print, the small small print. Right, right. Fascinating stuff. I'll see if I can find some, uh, some you, you good entries. You want to know what, uh, I, I don't know what to call it, but what thing that different manufacturers have done that really annoys me more than anything? Hmm. When they make the bottoms of containers concave, Ooh, so yeah, I'm like that's the a pudding, or it's not just a trick to oh we're you know skimming off a tenth of an ounce, yeah. But it makes getting things out of the very Harder bottle near impossible. <laughs> I, I saw you eating a pudding earlier, yep. and I think that's got that weird concave bottom to where there's like ninety degree angles in the middle of the concave thing. I don't know that makes it almost impossible to get all of the pudding <laughs> out of the container. Yeah, I mean, yogurt packages, too, are, are like this in a lot of cases, and they've reduced yogurts to, like, six ounces uh, from from eight, so they've tremendously cut back. You can't right. find an eight-ounce yogurt. I haven't seen an eight-ounce yogurt in years, and just you scoop out that yogurt into another dish, and it just looks so pathetic, the amount of it. Yeah. It's just so small. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Uh, Still to come, the economics, freedom of the world. What's the freest country in the world economically? It's not the United States. Not by a long shot. Venezuela. No, definitely not. We ought to check Venezuela and see where they are on the list. Uh, There's more coming up here in moments. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and you can dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever you want at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Tonight with you, it's Ian. Johnny Ray. And Daryl. Talking about uh, the economic consequences of manipulating the money supply. And one of those consequences, as you pointed out, Daryl, is the uh, the fact that you see companies cutting down the uh, the amount of product in their shelf 
packages. Uh, right. Either keeping the package the same size and cutting the amount of product in the package or slightly reducing the package size and the amount of product in the package uh, because packaging is a cost of manufacturing as well. Correct. So if they, can, if they can successfully reduce the packaging costs, they'll do it. Uh, but sometimes the way they do it is a uh, kind of a sneaky way, as you were describing, like having a con, was it convex or concave? Is concave. Con- oh, yeah, con- concave, meaning coming in, you know, Turning inward, yes. uh, the uh, half circle or whatever that uh, pushes up like at the bottom of a uh, like a yogurt container or something. Yogurt like container, that. Uh, peanut butter, a uh, lot of sodas. Yeah. I'm uh, holding a uh, fruit drink in my hand, and it's got that concave bottom. And some of them have big ones too, like yeah, like big old buttons that they've pushed into the bottom of these things and those are ways that they can make the product look as though it's the same as it's always been at a glance but actually reduce the amount of fluid ounces and uh, uh, a lot of there. times bottles of wine will have those really deep concave yeah that's what i was thinking going of. in and individual bags of potato chips can be heartbreaking Oh, the ones that you get in like a snack machine or or whatever. Johnny, yeah, you pull any it. bag of potato chips is an individual bag if you believe in yourself <laughs> and try very hard. <laughs> if you open a um, a smaller individual bag, an indi- a fun sized individual yeah. bag. Oh yeah, where it's like and there's four chips. A quarter inside. ounce now. Yeah, that's not that's, so, rough. that's not so fun. Uh, so hey, by the way, one of the things that's also pretty messed up in this country is healthcare. Uh, and, of course, you can blame the government for it, and don't look to the government to solve the problem anytime soon. You've got to take matters into your own hands. You don't want to rely on the state to take care of you. Uh, there are still options that don't involve health insurance, like HealthExcellenceSelect.com. They give you a proactive health assessment daily, if you'd like, and no-charge 24-hour access to doctors. They also will give you a medical information card you can give to EMS, first responders, the emergency room, or whatever medical professional you want. You can check them out now over at HealthExcellenceSelect.com. They can give you freedom from health insurance. You can also get access to traditional integrative chiropractic, acupuncture, and massage. Uh, When they talk about the doctors that they cover, that's what they include. You'll love the service and the price. HealthExcellenceSelect.com. From mouseprint.org, I was telling you about this. It's a website that looks into the dirty details of a lot of corporate offers, like special uh, discounts or rebates, and they they really dissect it. It's, It's like... It's, it, it's sort of like Consumer Reports in a blog blog form, I guess. It's different from Consumer Reports, but very, very good consumer information. Uh, wrap, uh, this is one of the posts they made right to the very end of the year. We wrap up the year with more items that have shrunk in size, many of them spotted by eagle-eyed mouse print readers. Happening right now in a dairy case near you is the downsizing of flavored varieties of Philadelphia whipped cream cheese. The 16-ounce containers are going down to 15.5. And the 8-ounce ones are slimming down by half an ounce as well. And that's a greater percentage loss. Uh, thanks to Richard G. for spotting this one. And they show you the actual products and what they looked looked like previously and what they look like now and the amount of ounces on there. There are many categories of grocery items that are cereal shrinkers, like toilet paper. Remember, last time we fo- uh, we shared something from the Mouse Print blog, they showed how the toilet paper not only were reducing in sheets per roll... But also reducing the width of the toilet paper sheets, so oh, they could still I've not s- that. they could still say they had the same amount of sheets in certain cases if they right. simply reduced the width of that, which we also saw happen in uh, Keene, New Hampshire, like a decade ago. The newspaper 
here cut costs not only by reducing the number of pages but also reducing the width of the pages so it's actually it's a skinnier newspaper by a couple of inches now and it's much more skinny looking when you look at it and also in the newspaper boxes for a while you could see the space on the sides where the full paper used to fill the whole window that you could look at now it's less so there's actually like you know you could see into the box on the sides of the newspaper okay and they've since like bought strips that they've put in there to block to where you can't see in but for years it was just like it looked like a skinny paper because it was obvious they cut down the size of it. Uh, again, cutting costs. So, uh, again, cereal shrinkers like toilet paper, potato chips, and ice cream. Well, we have a new candidate today, Frankfurters. In particular, Mr. Consumer's favorite dog until now, Nathan's, which used to be a pound. You used to get a pound of, of hot dogs in the Nathan's package. There's no longer bigger than a bun Frankfurters went, or excuse me, these... These no longer bigger than a bun Frankfurters went from a full pound down to 14 ounces in 2012. And just recently, they knocked another two ounces off, bringing Nathan's down to just 12 ounces. Uh, This is in some way to celebrate their 100th anniversary. The regular short ones, incidentally, are still 14 ounces. So they knocked it down from 454 grams to 340 grams over the period of of uh just you know several years that's that's a big reduction that's tremendous uh favorite of moviegoers is a box of junior mints in the past few months however the packages have been downsized by 12 and a half percent to three and a half ounces down from four following a downsizing by colgate a few months earlier could other brands be far behind sure enough crest pro health shrunk their a package from six ounces to 5.1. Even dollar store old-time favorite Pepsodent has been downsized as well from 5. Point, or from 6 ounces to 5.5. So this stuff happens all over the place and all the time. And it it really has to do with inflation. I mean, ultimately money is uh, there's more dollars in supply. They're chasing the same amount of goods. It's getting more expensive to uh, to do things and if these companies don't want to raise their price on the shelf, they have to cut the amount of product in the container. And many people won't ever notice. But there are a lot of people who are very, very sharp, and they do pay attention to these things. I mean, look at if you look at a um, a package of ice cream, like what used to be a half gallon of ice cream is no longer a half gallon of ice cream very frequently. What is it now? Uh, it's like 1.75 liters, I think is is what it is or something like that. I'll okay. Have to, I'll have to pull it up. But the ice cream containers have gotten so skinny that it's hard to, like, the spade, I have one of those ice cream spades, sort of a wide, not not a scoop, but like a spade, a, a trowel or whatever you want to call right, it. Right, right. Uh, and, like, that is almost the entire width now of the newer ice cream containers because they're so skinny. Wow. Yeah. So I just did a search for half-gallon ice cream and uh, pulled up an article, The Truth Behind the Incredible Shrinking Ice Cream Package. Yeah, I'd like to hear about that. From... 2008. Oh, yeah. This has been going on for a while. And this is actually a fairly lengthy, but they do mention that a lot of the ice creams now are either 1.5 quarts or 1.75 quarts. Yep, that's right. Uh, Down from, I think, two, right? That would have been the half gallon? Yes. Am I recalling that correctly? Four quarts per per gallon? Yes. So, yeah, I'd seen those reductions. I saw the one. I noticed the one when it went down to 1.75 and now 1.5, which is just pathetic. 
I mean, 1.5 gallons is is a pathetic looking tub of ice cream. And what is very interesting about this article that I've pulled up, it's actually on the website of a dairy that makes ice cream. Hmm. And it's written by the president of the dairy, uh, Quentin Fry, the president of Turkey Hill Dairy. I'd like to know more about it, but like you said, it's a little bit too uh, too detailed yes. uh, to get into. And then you also have to look at other factors. So now that they whittled down the ice cream uh, container, I mean, can they make it go any further at this point? 1.5 liters is you know a quarter less than what it used to be. 1.5 quarts, not liters. I'm sorry, 1.5 li- quarts. Thank you. Uh, but let me read just a very brief paragraph here. He says, contrary to what some may think... This is not a case of ice cream companies trying to deceive customers or yield huge profits. In the end, we had to do it. In Mm. our industry and in many others, manufacturing costs continue to escalate. The cost of ingredients such as milk, cream, cocoa, and sweeteners are also rising. So the cost of packaging fuel, or rather so are the cost of packaging fuel and labor. So he's explaining, you know, hey, the reason the packaging is going a little bit smaller and you're paying the same price is because our cost on everything is going up. But that's not the reason. The reason is because that's what motivates them to do it. But the reason they're doing it is because they want to appear competitive on price. He didn't have to reduce the size of the packaging. He could have said, you know, we're going to stay at two quarts. And he, he says they were faced with three choices. I'll tell you what yeah. those are. Let's get into up. that coming up here in moments. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. What have you noticed uh, on the store shelves that's changed? It's Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. Your amp will directly change more lives by getting Free Talk Live in front of people looking for talk radio online and on the air. You can help by joining the AMP program for just $5 a month at amp.freetalklive.com and getting perks. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Dial toll free. Bring up whatever you want here as we launch into the third hour of this Live Sunday edition with you tonight. It's Ian, Johnny Ray, and Daryl. A discussion about so-called parity pricing, a.k.a. price fixing, has led into a discussion of prices in general and uh, the monetary policy behind it, which is, of course, uh, inflating the money supply. Usually that leads to prices going up. Uh, because otherwise prices should go down over time. If it weren't for the government inflating the money supply, manufacturing technology gets better over time. Uh, it makes it more efficient uh, when they're manufacturing things, and so therefore prices should go down, in my opinion. But when the government manipulates the economy, there are all kinds of 
consequences that come with that. And um, one of the major manipulations that they do is they print out more money, which, of course, leads to more dollars chasing the same amount of goods, which leads to price increases uh, pretty much across the board. And you've got a story, Daryl, written back in 2008, but still just as relevant to today about the incredible shrinking uh, package that you see on the store shelves in retail establishments. And it's written by somebody who runs a dairy. He's the president, uh, Quentin Fry, the president of Turkey Hill Dairy, or at least in 2008, he was the president, Mm -hmm. and it's still on the website of this dairy, and he explained, you know, the cost of ingredients are going up, and they didn't shrink the size of the container in, you know, some kind of uh, attempt to fool the customers. Mm -hmm. He says that we had three choices. First, we could use cheaper, lower-quality ingredients to make what some companies call a frozen Frozen dairy dairy dessert. dessert. That's right. I was going to get into that. That's not ice cream. That's right. Anyone who's ever tasted Turkey Hill ice cream knows that was not an option for us. Right. And if you look, I started noticing this within the last year. I I noticed the frozen dairy dessert on the shelves. It was Breyer's brand that has that. They actually have both. They have ice creams and they have frozen dairy desserts. But they're all in the ice cream section as though they're all ice cream. So you actually have to look closely at the product to make sure it says ice cream. Ice milk. I don't know if I've seen any of those. Ice milk uses milk, not cream. Okay. Both products come from a cow. It's just two right. different aspects of the moo juice. Got it. Uh, he says the second option that they had, we could keep the containers the same size and raise the cost. That also was not an option because raising the price would prevent Turkey Hill products from being able to compete for many grocery store sales promotions and everyday low price programs. Mm-hmm. We also conducted focus groups and surveys, and our customers told us that raising the cost was not something they wanted to see. Mm. Instead, the overwhelming majority of people in our focus groups told us that keeping the price the same and decreasing the size of the package was the best answer, Interesting. even if no one was happy about it, mm. including myself. Sure, because people have budgets, and if you start changing the price, then you screw with their budgets more than they can do themselves by just adjusting to a smaller package. Right, even though they're getting less for uh, the same amount of money. He says it really is the most sensible solution and one that will allow us to continue making ice cream in Lancaster County instead of making it somewhere for less cost Mm. and continue to use the same premium ingredients that make our ice cream taste so good. And then he's got a couple other uh, paragraphs in here. This is the first I've heard of this frozen dairy dessert. You guys are going to have to tell me about it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty much just a lower cream version of ice cream. Right, it's got a... a, uh, they lower, got the cream. Uh, lower percentage of cream. Yeah. And I, I stumbled across a term that I had heard but never really thought about until I mentioned this to Ian, where I showed him this, uh, I still call it peanut butter, but it's technically a peanut spread. I called that one too, right? You you had showed me this thing and I said, that says peanut spread. That's not peanut butter, is it? And you looked and there's a, the percentage is different. Right. So peanut butter requires that 90% of what's in the jar is peanuts. Peanut spread requires that at least 60% of what is in the jar is peanuts. Uh-huh. The rest of it can be cheaper products. Right. Well, this thing that I've got yeah. 
it's not cheaper products. Yeah. It's more expensive than peanut butter because it's got coconut oil in it, uh, and it's got like agave and a couple other things. So you know, it, it's a healthier version. Got it. Uh, and I'm putting the stuff in smoothies, so it doesn't really make any difference if it spreads better or not. But you know, yeah, you could make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with it. Let's go to the phones. To the fun. Brian is in Addison, Illinois, listening online to LRN.FM. Hey, Brian. Hey, guys. Hey. Sorry to break up your shrinkflation discussion. No problem. Um, go ahead. What, I had, what's on your mind? I've, I've been meaning to call you for um, about a month now, and I'm, yep. I'm, I'm actually listening live for once. Um, I was wondering if you had an update on Arcade City or uh, I think his name is Christopher David's wiretapping case. Uh, no, I haven't heard anything new on the wiretapping front uh, regarding Christopher David. He is uh, the founder of Arcade City, which we talked about in the past on Free Talk Live. Arcade City being this sort of vision for a decentralized ride-sharing app, that would something that would decentralize ride-sharing more than it already is. So from uh, the idea of having big corporations like Uber or Lyft, being at the center of these operations, decentralizing decisions down to the driver level, where the driver gets to set their own rates, the driver gets to make more choices about how to run their business, and uh, there's not some centralized authority making those those decisions. It was a brilliant idea. Unfortunately, uh, it was not executed in a particularly effective manner. The first app was functional in that it did allow for ride scheduling to be uh, accomplished, meaning that you could say, I want to ride at this time on this day, and then the notice would go out to the other people who had the app, and then they would be able to respond to you. Then when they launched their, they they took that one off the market as they were supposedly retooling for a launch of a real app that would allow for ride hailing, where in a moment you can request a ride, sort of like Uber or Lyft, where you can say, I need a ride right now, and then people could respond uh, then that app was released completely broken. It never did what it promised to do. Uh, it had some ridiculous game that had been uh, been put into it that was basically just a way to delay people from actually getting to what features the app was supposed to have but actually didn't appear to actually have, which was the supposed ride-sharing features. Instead, you had to do this silly thing of passing around karma between different users without getting into any more detail about what that confusing nonsense was. And it was just a really botched effort, and it was just so so disappointing too. Because Christopher David uh, was a you know brilliant guy. I think he's a brilliant guy. I mean, he's a really smart guy who's got a. a I thought he had a really great vision. But just because somebody has a good vision doesn't mean they're going to be able to make that vision a reality. It doesn't mean they have the leadership ability or the money management ability to and make then, that. And then he created uh, some centralized like group that he handed control over to and then did a token sell. Oh yeah. And to raise money then for... he, you know, like took a position of like uh Arcade City janitor or something that was like, I still kind of have my hand in this, but I'm not in charge. Yep. And basically said, You guys are in charge. They said, uh, the name Arcade City has a lot of baggage. Let's change the name to like Swarm, Swarm Central City. or yep. something. And so now there's allegations that they stole money from him, money that he put them in control of, and said, you can 
you know, build an app with this. And because they changed the name, he was like, ah, so they stole the money from Arcade City because they're not Arcade City anymore. It's a bunch of finger pointing and and A bunch of finger pointing. And And then there was supposed to be another app that just came out on the first, and somebody reported that you read a report that the thing crashes on loading. Yeah, somebody that's in the amplifiers group uh, said, downloaded it, crashed before opening one star. It's a it's a shame. I mean, to see this thing botched so badly, and it had so much promise, and so many followers, so many people were excited by it. Uh, but the good news is there is Cell Four One One, which has working has been working since it was released with ride sharing last year, and it's fantastic, and it does everything that Arcade City ever promised to do. And, and regar- regarding his wiretapping charge, last I see, he missed a court date in October. That's correct. Uh, Brian, <laughs> hang on if you want to comment. You're welcome to. Uh, and again, Cell411, go to getcell411.com. If you want a real decentralized ride-sharing app, it's there and it works great. More coming up. Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever you want in this live Sunday edition. With you tonight, it's Ian, Johnny Ray, and Daryl. And you can join us online. Just go to freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features you'll find there. Well, even though uh, product sizing is going down, even though the amount of products uh, in the, uh, the cap packages are going down because of uh, prices going up due to the government inflating the money supply, you still got to buy stuff. And if you're going to be buying things, you should buy them in a way that benefits Free Talk Live and still gets you a great deal. You go to shop.freetalklive.com. You can enter Amazon as well as Walmart through the links you'll find there. And if you go to Amazon, there's Amazon US, Canada, and UK. You click into the right Amazon for you and just get your shopping taken care of. Free Talk Live gets a portion of the purchase price. It's the same great prices and selection and service that you're used to. It's just that you're entering through our affiliate link, so Free Talk Live gets a piece of the action over at shop.freetalklive.com. We can continue talking about the ever-increasing, or excuse me, ever-shrinking product packaging out there in the market. But first, let's go to your phone calls and thoughts, where Matt is on the line in Maine, watching on YouTube at cam.freetalklive.com. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, how you doing? Uh, People call me Mustache Matt. uh, I was just—I wanted to ask you. Why what, do they call you? Mustache I don't, we don't want to know. I don't know if we want to know. If you—if if it's clean, you can tell us. Well, people call me Mustache Matt because I—I uh, I paid Shia LaBeouf a visit and taught him the truth about the Holocaust. Uh huh. And what's that? What's that got to do <laughs> with the mustache? I don't know if I want to know, Daryl. Just let's let's move on. Uh, well, go, let's, so yeah. what's what's the truth? Huh? That it didn't happen? What are you going to tell us? Well, I want to ask you, uh, when I ask you what you know about World War II, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Hitler. Hitler. Yeah, Hitler was, was that guy. He was the, he was the focus of the five-minute hate. Right. So um, have you actually ever done any personal research into the Holocaust or World War II in general? Uh-huh, yep. Yeah? So you know that the Holocaust didn't actually happen right no that's ridiculous yeah we had uh we had some of the holocaust deniers call the show a few months maybe a couple months ago 
and of course that spurred some you know some looking into and rebuttals of their claims and needless to say there are plenty of exhaustive rebuttals to the you know ridiculous and outrageous claims of the holocaust deniers who are basically neo nazis that want to make try to make hitler look like he was some sort of uh good guy uh-huh sounds like you well no uh, no you're not a nazi <laughs> i mean you know you could say that all you want but no i'm not a nazi well, are you he fascist asked a question he didn't make a statement yeah Okay. How would you describe yourself? Uh, Fascist? Socialist? What's your gig? Well, so all I'm trying to tell you is that there are many issues plaguing this this, this country. Um, you know, like uh, all throughout history, like, you know, Cuba, the Cuban Fiscal Crisis, um, the, the Soviet Union, North Korea, Vietnam, all of these communist issues that we've had throughout the years, uh, now communist China. Um, all I'm saying is that if we took Germany's side in the war, none of those problems would have existed. Well, I don't take sides in wars. I'm anti-war. Well, sometimes you have to go to war. No, no. I don't think you can give an example of a good war. Well, if you don't think that you should eventually go to war, if your enemies would like to go to war, then you're just going to get conquered, so... Well, that's not necessarily true. You can defend yourself without going to war with a government. Uh, okay. Well, so you let, need let me ask this question. Clearly. Let me ask this question. What difference does it make? What? What well, is, difference does what make? I, the last time uh, I heard the, somebody say that, Matt called in to say the Holocaust never happened. So, what difference does it make to your day-to-day so, life? Does it affect whether you buy a chicken sandwich or a steak sandwich? Does it affect uh, the price of gasoline? The reason why it's such a big deal, the reason why it's so important for people to understand is because it's it's kind of the missing link to a lot of the problems that we're dealing with today, Um, especially with censorship of free speech. You have to ask yourself, who are you not allowed to make fun of? Who are you not allowed to talk about? And then you have to think about why. Why is that? Why do you want to make fun of people? Um, well, there's 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 reasons. I mean, if somebody's wrong, then poking fun at them or he's talking them about is, Jewish people. That's what he's beating around the bush at here, right? Are you not I'm, allowed I'm not to beating make fun around of the Jewish bush. people? I'm being very clear. I'm not beating around the bush. I'm being very clear with you. That's no, what you're talking you're about, kind right? Kind of being very vague is that what you're talking about when you said who are you not allowed to make fun of yes that's yeah. exactly, exactly what i'm I was talking right about, that. about well you didn't make it clear you beat around the bush about it no that's not that's not true at all well the fact is if you want to make fun of a, a certain group of people you can do it on the internet all you want to you can have all kinds of hate websites uh and you know sites where you, no, pick you, didn't, on people. you didn't hear me you didn't hear what i said i said the, the free speech, the censorship of free speech, is a direct cause of the so-called Holocaust, and that affects the our daily lives. The censorship of free it, speech what? is the it's cause of the Holocaust. What does that even People mean? Get, um, again, you're not understanding, or you're choosing to not understand. No, you're not making re- sense, dude. I, th- I think maybe he was saying. Hey, I've asked you to I explain. Think he was saying censorship is is, is censorship of free speech. Follows from the Holocaust and the lies about around the Holocaust. But what 
speech is being well, think censored. About it. Who there's, is going to prison for saying the Holocaust it. did not happen? Think, Who? Think, think about it. All across Germany, all across um, most of Europe, you can go to jail for speaking out against the, the so-called Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not in Europe. Yeah, well, uh, you heard about the law in Canada that was just passed about um, anti uh, blasting the laws on, on Islam, right? No, I haven't heard about that, but I do believe that Canada is a place where you don't have free speech because they've had laws against uh, certain types of speech for a long time there, so that wouldn't surprise me. But you're not in Canada. So you Canada. don't think it's important to, uh, to take note of the cause, the reasons why we're losing our free speech in the Western world? Well, wait. You don't think it's important? Have you lost your free speech? Are you unable to talk about the people that you hate? Oh, no, I'm, I'm very able, and which is why I do. Okay. Well, then what's the problem? I just asked you a question, though. I just asked you a question, and you failed to answer it. No, you strung some words together that implied a question mark at the end. It was not a question of any coherent no, it was a You asked me about Canada, and I told you I had not retarded. heard about that, but uh, that I wouldn't be surprised to find out that it's true. I absolutely answered your question. I asked you a simple question, and you keep failing to answer it. What's the question? The question is, you're not worried about losing your right to free speech in the United States of America. Um, I don't tend to worry about things in general, but I believe in freedom of speech. I'm an advocate for freedom of speech. That doesn't mean that I have to provide a platform for it. it. Are you worried that those rights are being infringed upon? I have not seen any evidence that free speech has been uh, impinged in general in the United States. Well, well, you Uh, just called me a Nazi for questioning. No, I asked if you were a Nazi. Would you say that you're a Nazi? It's widely accepted to, to call people that if you disagree with them. Donald Trump's a Nazi. This person's a Nazi. That so are you or are you not a Nazi? I, I answered that question before for you. No, you, you weren't you clear. Thanks for the call. And then you brought it back up. Toll-free number. It's pretty clear, you know, what you are. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. We'd like to invite you to visit Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free here. Bring up anything you want. Our number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. You can uh, bring up anything that is the point here on Free Talk Live. Doesn't mean we're going to agree with you. However, with you in studio tonight, it's Ian, Johnny Ray, and Daryl. As we continue, also want to let you know about SaveAtPurse.com. You want to save big time on the products you're looking to buy? Well, you can do that at SaveAtPurse.com. SaveAtPurse.com. You can save easily 20%, 20, 25%, uh, or less. You can choose less if you want. I say choose as much as you can save, because if you're not in a rush then uh, you can get some really great deals from Save It Purse. If you are in a rush, you can use Purse Instant and save 5% right there off the top of the Amazon prices, plus you get the prime shipping deals. Now, Daryl, did you say that we're going to be uh, doing a special offer over at Purse? When was that? They we are doing a special offer uh, the next three days, beginning okay. at uh, 12.01 a.m. on Monday, going until 11.59 and 59 seconds on Wednesday. 8% off if you do the instant Purse buy. Instant. 
It's amazing. And here's how you get these special offers you uh, and these amazing deals. And we're not, this isn't just on like a couple of products. This is on anything you want to buy at Amazon. You can basically save a bunch of money. I've been doing it for more than two years. I've saved over $1,500 off of the prices of stuff I would have been paying full price for because I was going to buy them anyway. So why not save 20% or more? Or, you know, again, it's up to you. You can choose your discount. The higher the percentage, the longer it might take to fulfill your order. But I've had 25% get fulfilled within 24 hours of me placing that order. It's amazing. The catch, though, is you have to have Bitcoin or some other cryptocurrency that you can then shapeshift into Bitcoin uh, over at purse. or saveatpurse.com. Saveatpurse.com. Let's continue here with your calls and thoughts. We got Josh on the line in Rockland, New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Josh. Yes, hello. Hey. I'm Jewish. I like reading the neo Nazi websites. They say we own the banks, we run the world, we did 9 11. It's a lot of fun, a lot of reading them, thinking that I own the world. Yeah, it must be nice owning all those banks, huh? <laughs> I can barely pay my mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, wait, are you saying that not all Jewish people are exactly the same? How about that? <laughs> well, there's real Jews and fake Jews. What does that mean? Jews that keep the religion and Jews like Chuck Schumer who are just leftists. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So the ethnic Jews versus the uh, religious. Got it. Josh, was there more you wanted to say or just point out that uh, not all Jews are the same individual and don't deserve to be hated based on the group uh, that they find themselves in? Well, the guy had the absurdity to say that the Holocaust didn't happen. My grandfather was one of them in the Holocaust that was fortunate enough to have a gun. He went around to the forest in Hungary and protected himself. He, he did what in Hungary? I'm sorry, there was a, a baby in the background. He was a partisan in Hungary. They, there were groups of Jews that went in the forests in Hungary, they, they were fortunate enough to have guns. So they, they could defend themselves. Whenever they had a chance. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, to uh, deny the Holocaust exists uh, is just a ridiculous denial of, uh, of history, to deny the experiences that thousands of people uh, had, the horrifying experiences that well, hundreds of thousands, I think, uh, had. Millions. Well, millions died, but I mean, there you know, are still some people who are alive from that correct and uh you know it's ridiculous it's a ridiculous conspiracy theory that anybody who wants to you know learn more about the rebuttals there's all kinds of exhaustive rebuttals by people who have done the research to counter the claims that the hollow uh they call themselves hollow hoaxists or whatever they believe the whole thing was a hoax it's a hoax it's ridiculous uh josh any other thoughts you want to share tonight no, thanks. All right, thanks for the call tonight. Let's go to Sarah. There, there is another phenomenon yes. that I learned about related to the Holocaust that I learned about today, where there was a gentleman who uh, who had taken umbrage at photos he'd seen uh, taken by people who were visiting the Holocaust Memorial mm-hmm. or Holocaust Museum of some kind, and they were, um, you know, doing yoga and taking selfies and stuff, and the this man was very upset at the lighthearted nature of these photos in such a serious place so he was taking the images taking these people's images and removing these the images of the people themselves and then reimposing them on actual holocaust scenes 
and putting them up on his website and then making sure that these so like people, gruesome backgrounds with people with people taking doing selfies. Yeah, yeah yoga poses and leaping <laughs> in the air with with big smiles on their face and right such. to show that they're not uh, they didn't have the reverence that he believed that they should have right and then he gave them the opportunity to uh, apologize. to apologize and if what they did they do then 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 he would remove them from his interesting from the the online presence that he created wow uh let's continue here sarah is in new mexico you're on free talk live hello sarah yes i i was wondering if uh president trump would you know um you know round up all the dope dealers um and you know gang members and auto theft criminals um out of albuquerque you know because uh you know but New Mexico is just full of all these uh, dope uh, uh, salespeople. Hold on. Let me see if I understand this question correctly. You want Donald Trump to basically send the feds into Albuquerque to remove the criminals. Well, you know what? I got, I got, I heard what they did in San Diego with um, what is, uh, the Serenio gangs or something. They found the guns and dope and heroin. And I heard that, and I thought, I got so excited, because uh, maybe he could come over this way and do the same. Yes, of course. I mean, look, we're number one in auto theft. Where are they taking all the cars? Look, we're right on the border of Mexico. All the dope is just coming straight up from I-25. And and then they funnel it through, I, and we intersect I-40, and then they take it from here to L.A. I'm all excited. I mean, I, I voted against Donald Trump. But if he's going to round up all the criminals... Are you being the, facetious, that, or are you, like, really honest with us right now? No, I'm, I'm excited about it. You know? Like, yeah. I'm stuck okay, with so let's, let's do a little history lesson here, uh, Sarah. The war on drugs has been going on for a long time. They've been trying to arrest their way out of the drug problem for many decades, and it hasn't worked. What makes you think Donald Trump's going to be able to come in there and round up all the drug dealers? Well, you know what? That's the that's the thing that that what he what he um always talks about is that he wants to you know out of the illegals he wants to just round up the dope dealers, the gangbangers, and the the lawbreakers. And so I was told that he was doing that in San Diego. So I'm getting my hopes up. We got plenty of them. Half the state is all full of them. Hold on. You know, Hold on. What, what, you're saying that half of the people that live in New Mexico <laughs> are undocumented immigrants <laughs> that are also drug dealers and car thieves? <laughs> no, but we got plenty of it. I don't know what the percentage is. but you, know, you just said most, where... <laughs> which would be more than <laughs> half. Well, the thing is, we have uh, those Narcons at all of our public libraries. How about that? Narcons? What's a Narcon? Yeah, the Narcons is available at all of our public you libraries. You're talking about Narcan? You're talking about Narcan? The anti-overdose medication for uh, opioids? Yes, right. Now they're available at all of our public libraries for all the rescue the people that are overdosing at uh, the libraries. So that's how bad I, those I don't think they're here. overdosing at the library. It probably has happened. I mean, it, you know. there may have been one well, person serious. somewhere at some yeah. point that overdosed at a library, but I 
seriously doubt that everybody that overdoses in the is at the library. <laughs> Shooting up over in the corner. Sarah makes things up based yeah. on you know little snippets no, of no, what no, she no. hears on talk yeah. radio, and then she hey, strings those words together when she calls yeah. this show. Uh, so, Sarah, I mean, got bad news for you. Donald Trump can talk about rounding up people all he wants, but ultimately, no amount of rounding up or drug war enforcement is going to end the problem and of I, drug I'm gonna addiction. I'm going to put my Chris Reitman hat on for a second and say there's no constitutional authority for the federal government to go in to enforce local crime laws. Toll-free number tonight. Thanks for the call, Sarah. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. If you want to end drug violence, uh, drug gangs, then you have to legalize drugs. It's the only way out of this. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Moments remain. We've got enough time for you. If you want to join us, the toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Ian. Johnny Ray. And Daryl. So, uh, also want to remind you to join the Free Talk Live AMP program. If you like this program, if you like what we're doing here live seven nights a week, talking about the ideas of freedom, liberty, uh, and peace, then you should get behind the show for five bucks a month. It's the AMP program. It helps us advertise, market, and promote Free Talk Live. Get on more radio stations around the country. We've got over 150 radio stations carrying this show at various different times throughout the week. And we can have 300, 400. It's possible. We just need to be able to market the show effectively to those stations. So if you want to help us with that project. And also get cool perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, the AMP-only podcast, which is a podcast that has our show but without the commercials that our normal podcast has and uh, there's also the amp only facebook group and some other perks go and learn more about all of that over at amp.freetalklive.com amp.freetalklive.com you can sign up with any major credit card through paypal you can use visa mastercard and american express and bitcoin right there on the amp page and so get the details and please get signed up it helps us out a lot and only costs you a little bit amp ampamp.freetalklive.com story coming from investors Dot com headline from oh, looks like it came out maybe a week or so ago, uh, but it's the first time hearing about it. The Heritage Foundation published their 2017 Index of Economic Freedom, and it shows advances worldwide in cutting regulations, curbing government spending, rooting out corruption, and increasing openness to international trade and investment. The country lagging behind the United States. The index is a comprehensive measure of economic freedom that compiles data from dozens of independent sources to measure the extent to which a government intervenes through economic policy to control the actions of its citizens and businesses. The latest edition reflects conditions in the world economy through the middle of 2016. Since 1995, when the index was first produced, there has been about a 5% increase in economic freedom around the world. Now, that may sound small. But that modest increase has been accompanied by massive improvements in human well-being. Global poverty rates have dropped by two-thirds as economic freedom has grown. So a 5%, and I'm looking at the actual rankings here. So I I want to give some context on what a 5% increase would do. It would move the United States from where it sits. And I'm going to go ahead and spoil this. I know you've not gotten to it yet (sighs) in the article. Uh, you know what? I, I won't uh, say exactly what the ranking, but it would move the United States from where it is up 11 spots. 
Yep. Uh, a 5% increase. The United States is down from its position last year. We'll, uh, we'll tell you that here in a moment. Um, but again, back to the, the story here from Investors.com. Economic freedom matters for a lot of reasons beyond income and wealth. It's true that improvements in economic freedom correlate with increases in economic growth, and countries with higher levels of economic freedom have much higher average per capita incomes. In addition, however, their citizens enjoy myriad other benefits. They're better educated, for example, and enjoy better health uh, better health and longer lives than those who lack economic freedom. Economic freedom even helps the environment. Economically free countries scored almost 30 points higher on the Yale University 2016 Environmental Performance Index than did countries where economic freedom is repressed. A 5% increase would also move Botswana up from where it is to being tied with the United States. The This year, more than 100 countries recorded increases in their economic freedom. More than 100 countries, more free now than they were a year ago. Those and that's win- out of 180 that they rated. Correct. Those winners are found around the globe, but the Asia-Pacific region had the highest number of countries recording major gains. 49 countries recorded their highest economic freedom scores ever. This group included both China and Russia, though even with their improvements, both continue to lag far behind most Western developed economies in economic freedom. The U.S. regrettably headlined the list of countries not only losing freedom, but recording their lowest scores ever. Driving the United States' decline was a new category in the index, fiscal health. That category measures fiscal deficits and government debt relative to the size of the economy. U.S. government spending has accounted for over 38% of total U.S. economic activity over the last three years, with deficits averaging above 4% of GDP and total government debt exceeding a full year's output of the economy. U.S. business and labor freedom both also declined slightly over the last year, increasing concerns that the combination in recent years of expanding government Increased regulatory and tax burdens and the loss of confidence that has accompanied perceptions of increased cronyism, elite privilege, and corruption is eroding U.S. international competitiveness. And so I don't think they mention it here, but last year in the 2016 version of this study, the United States was at number 11. And this year it has only lost 03 of a percentage of change because what they do is they give a score so yes. uh their total economic freedom score so hong kong is the number one most economically free place as it has been with an 89.8 right it's been in that and by the way it's it's more free this year than it was last year Correct. it's gone up by 1.2 uh percentage points it has been at the top of this list since we've been reporting on it and it's i think we've been reporting on it for more than a decade on free talk live uh, Hong Kong, solidly the number one country. Singapore, number two, following close behind at 88.6. So the U.S. ranking only went down by 0.3, but there were so many other countries that went up in freedom that yes. they surpassed the United States. So the U.S. has been bumped way down the list in the top 20 to number 17. So it dropped from 11 to number 17, the 17th most free economy in the world as according to the Heritage Foundation. That's and, pathetic. And that 5% increase that they said that you know the world has seen, That's that right. would bump the United States from 17 to 6. Yep, but the U.S. is going in the wrong direction, Daryl. It went down in yes. freedom, fewer freedoms uh, economically than previous. And it there is, are only five countries that got over an 80% on this ranking. 
Hong Kong, Singapore, you mentioned. That's right. New Zealand, Switzerland, and Australia. Australia. That's the top five. Estonia is uh, number sixth. Yep, it's uh, also gained freedom. Pr- pr- pretty much most of these uh, countries in the top 20 gained freedom, with the exception of Ireland, which dropped by 0. 0.6. To, uh, it's at number nine right now. Chile dropped by 1.2. It's at number 10. Uh, zero. United Kingdom had a no change, so they didn't. Uh, their zeros on the U.S. The change. and Denmark both had slight decreases, yep. 0.3 and 0.2 percent, respectively. So, just round out the list here for you. And it's going to get longer and longer as the U.S. continues to drop down this chart. Uh, so, you gave the top five: number six, Estonia; seven, Canada; eight, UAE; the United Arab Emirates; nine, Ireland; ten, Chile; eleven, Taiwan; twelve, the United Kingdom; thirteen, Georgia. Uh, which jumped up by 3.4%. The Republic of Georgia, not the country. That's right. Or Uh, not the state. 14, Luxembourg, which went up by 2%. The Netherlands at number 15. Lithuania uh, at 16. And then again, the United States at number 17. Now we go all the way down to the bottom. Let's round out the top 20. Denmark, Sweden, and Latvia. So we go down to the bottom of the list where North Korea is finally making an appearance with a 4.9 score, up in freedom by 2.6% percentage points. So I guess they were in last year's rankings, but I remember in other rankings, North Korea never even showed up because it's hard to get any kind of useful data out of that country. Correct. You, you can't rank the country's freedom uh, rating versus other countries when you don't know anything about their economy. Uh, there isn't much of an economy to speak of in North Korea, but there is a black market, and uh, the folks over at Link, the Liberty for North Korea... Liberty in North Korea, they have been reporting on the black market and how basically the the black market there is what's feeding people. So uh, let's just actually look at some of the subcategories here. By the way, number 180 was North Korea, number 179, Venezuela, down 6.7%. So one of the least free countries in the world. Uh, Just above them is Cuba and the Republic of Congo, Eritrea, Zimbabwe, Equatorial Guinea. In North Korea, they got a 5 for labor freedom, a 5 for business freedom. 5 out of? 100. Okay. (laughs) They got a 5. I'm sorry. For judicial effectiveness, an 11.6 for government integrity. Uh, Just let that sink in for a moment. And a 32.4 for property rights. They got zeros in monetary freedom, government spending, tax burden, fiscal health, trade freedom, investment freedom, and wow. financial freedom. Yeah. It's bad which place. is how they wound up with a four point something. We're going to link you to the full ranking. They always have all kinds of data that you can dig into. Each country has its own page with information. And you can compare countries as well. So you want yeah. to compare the U.S. and North Korea? You can do that. Yeah, it's not as bad here as it is in the, in North Korea, but the important thing to take away from this is it's not getting better in the United States. While other countries, 100 countries, got more free in the last year, the U.S. got less free. It got more fiscally free in North freaking Korea. That's true. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow night. Freetalklive.com. You've probably heard the libertarian author Tom Mullen interviewed or talked about on Free Talk Live. Well, Tom wrote a song called You Were Right, Mr. Spock.
wait when your plywoods appear Where whoever yells the loudest always gets the loudest cheer They say that you're unfeeling cause they've never seen you cry But you care more than all of them although your eyes are dry And while their hugs are bleeding saying someone else should pay Work on the answer, then you quietly save the day. You were right, Mr. Spark, about everything you said. We humans just aren't logical, too crazy in the head. We abandon reason and emotion rules instead. And all we get is misery, liberty is dead. Isolationist, cause you say no to war Even though they cannot tell you what they're fighting for You point out those who start and hide out safely from the fray Making money off the suckers who were forced to die of pain You were right, Mr. Spock, about everything you said We humans just are logical, too crazy in the head We'd rather fight in burning houses, play in cities low Wander out in porches, set and watch them grow. And do you ever feel like giving up? Do you ever wonder why? Cats or group or survivors, why? Sometimes it must be hard to You Were Right, Mr. Spock, by libertarian author and singer-songwriter Tom Mullen. To get it on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, and more, go to skepticsongs.com. If you want to read Tom's articles and free excerpts of his books, go to tommullen.net.